We are live from the NFL owners meetings here in Phoenix, Arizona. Eric Allen alongside Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports. We're streaming not only on the web website but on facebook so you can send in your questions and comments as well throughout the stream it's going to be an action-packed 45 minutes or so because jason is here then john mcclain from the houston chronicle will join us as will vic carucci of the buffalo news finally barry wilner of the associated press will probably stop by as well we're sponsored today by bridgestone it's the official tire of the new york jets jason um first things first uh, all the buzz today is about the early vote here concerning the Raiders. It looks like they'll be making the move to Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, they will. The owners just walked down. I'm sure you saw the procession from one meeting room to another, and I would think by the time they break for lunch that they will have voted with some contingencies for the Raiders to move to Las Vegas. There's going to have to be some stipulations that they meet in terms of the final lease agreements, There's the debt ratio, some things that are still... Um, you know, I guess I'll call them minor hurdles that Mark Davis will have to clear down the road, but contingent upon him hitting those benchmarks, which are fully expected, um, then, yeah, it's a go, and they'll get shovels in the ground, and they'll be, you know, trying to have a stadium ready for the start of the 2019 season. It would be an utter and complete shock if anything other than that took place sooner rather than later. And uh, I guess Heidi game no more, huh? I guess <laughs> any, any Heidi Bowls starting two years from now and moving on will be uh, – in Vegas. I'll tell you what, the Jets do uh, are supposed to go to Oakland in 2017. Do you yeah, foresee that still happening? Yeah, it, it, it'd be very difficult to um, to change anything up. They, you know, look, they, they, they can go year to year on their lease, so they've already executed. They've done all their paperwork to be able to play in Oakland for 2017. For 2018, how feasible will that be, being a lame duck franchise in a city that cares so deeply for them, knowing that this team's on an upswing and they're about to leave. I don't know how tenable that's going to be. Um, those are some issues that the league will have time to resolve, I would think, by the fall meeting, um, which is usually in October, that there might be some more of a, I guess, more of a front burner issue in terms of, okay, what are we doing beyond 2017? Are we really going to stay in Oakland for two years with this hanging over everybody's heads? Uh, but for right now, it's just it's about this vote. It's about $750 million in free money, and it's about a sweetheart stadium deal and exploring this new market. So you're going to be on your phone, and you might have to leave at any point if this vote does come down. But like Jason just said, Jets fans, if you're planning on going to Northern California next year, you're good. Oh, yeah, That'll probably be your last chance. Well, what do you think, Jason, about the league going to Las Vegas? Uh, there's some owners who are voting yes or going to vote yes with some trepidation. I expect that a few owners will at least express some reservations on the record in front of the full group just to say, you know, not that you want to say I told you so, but you want to say, look, okay, I understand why we're doing this, but let's also realize that we are going from a top five TV market to the 39th TV market. We're going from uh, a demographic that's booming in terms of the local economy, and it's a, it's a business in in the Bay Area, and things are thriving from a business standpoint. We're going to a market where it's it's gaming, and it's gaming, and it's gaming. So, you know, you look at the foreclosure rate in Vegas and some things like that. The way, way one person described it to me from an ownership group said there's a lot of guys who are kind of holding their nose and doing this because the momentum's there. Enough votes are probably there, um, regardless of one or two people 
you know, really dissenting and voting against it. But 10 years from now, they're going to regret it. You know, what does the Vegas market look like 10 years from now? Um, has some of the allure worn off? What's the attendance like? When these initial sponsorships expire, are they able to get the prices they want, you know, 10 and 15 years down the road? There's a lot of questions there, but it's, but, but it's, it's happening. It's going to be fascinating. Again, that vote is, could be taking place. This day is expected to be taking place right now. So you might be hearing news uh, from Jason Lockenfora here from CBS Sports at any moment as far as the Raiders going to Las Vegas. Anything jump out at you as far as rules changes? It seems like the league's biggest initiative this year is improving the pace, pace of, play. of play. Yeah, yeah. that's from the commissioner on down. You talk to people at Park Avenue leading up to this uh, meeting, they would tell you that's the new buzzword. You know, every year he kind of has a focus on certain innovations or certain areas he wants the league to, sort, not, not I should say focus on because they're exploring all these things, but where you could tell he's really behind it. And it was, you know, the movement to London. And that's still afoot, you know, but and continuing to add games there and international right in Mexico. So you heard that player health and safety is always a buzzword you're going to hear. Um, a few years back, it was a lot about incentivizing the in-game experience for mm-hmm. fans, right? Improving infrastructure and Wi-Fi in these stadiums so you can get your fantasy football updates the same way at the Jets game as you could on your couch. Sure. And this particular meeting, it really is going to be a lot about pace of play. Making games quicker, making games more action-packed, eliminating some of the back-to-back commercial breaks, changing the commercial pods in terms of um, um, how, how those are structured, and, and maybe there'll be fewer pods, but they'll be longer. Um, and then, obviously, you've got issues like shortening overtime, which they say is health and safety, and, and yeah, it is. But from 15 it, to 10 minutes, it also possibly. it also trims, you know, trims time off the possible, you know, the, the, the full allotment of game time has, has been trimmed down. Uh, and I, I would expect that, that that might go through, given again how much Park Avenue is sort of pushing this. All right, let's talk some Jets. Uh, they add a veteran quarterback, which we expected. Yep. Josh McCown, what can Jets fans expect from him now as he joins his 10th NFL team? Great dude, uh, beloved by all his teammates, has really been someone who has made the most of second and third chances. I mean, five years ago, he's coaching high school football, you know, and then was able to have this second renaissance, hasn't taken it for granted at all. Super smart, will be great in that quarterback room with all the young quarterbacks, and I expect him to draft one pretty high as well. So, you know, that, I don't think that quarterback room is the finished product by, by a large stretch right now. Uh, but yeah, he's a bridge quarterback, you know, if it, depending how high they take and who they take. He he can be very good for eight games, maybe 12 games. You ask for more than that, and then he's an older guy. He's been injury prone. You know, he's taken a beating over the years. So is he a guy who's going to give you more than a season? Are you going to get 16 games out of him, 16 starts out of him if you need it? Remains to be seen about durability. But the thinking in my estimation is – that's a guy who will play at a high level for a half a season or more, and then by then, depending on how the team's doing, depending on how whoever they draft is developing, maybe that movement's afoot. In your mind, though, was he the perfect guy for the Jets in the situation they're in right now? Got a pair of young quarterbacks, Jeremy Bates, new quarterbacks coach, going to be coming in and working with uh, Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg. Uh, but with that being said, um, do you believe... I think I got to go. Okay. <laughs> uh, we got some news outside. Jason Lockenfora is booking Sorry, outside guys. right now. 
It's live at the owners' meetings, uh, NewYorkJets.com, and you're watching here on the site and on Facebook. Just discussing the Jets' edition of Josh McCown. That's what everybody says about the veteran quarterback who will be joining his 10th NFL team is that great presence in the locker room. This is a guy you want around young quarterbacks. Again, the Jets have Bryce Petty and Christian Hackerberg combined four NFL games started. Uh, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle is going to be popping on right now. Uh, you're lo- watching live on New York Jets.com and Facebook. So comment in on Facebook and send in your questions as well. Come on in. John McClain, who's the godfather of all these events, Houston Chronicle, longtime uh, writer uh, for the Chronicle, not just covering the Texans, but the National Football League. Uh, John, great to see you. Uh, I've known you for a long time. This is our first uh, venture for us, though, to the NFL owners' meetings. You've been coming to this event for how long? Oh, over, over maybe about 35 years. Used to be here, the building we're here. The, the Biltmore's not here. It was all grass. The main building was here, and then they added this, and they've added other uh, other buildings as part of the complex. And, of course, the most impressive thing is that big Wrigley Mansion on top of the hill. I can imagine what it was like here when Phil Wrigley built that place back before any of this was here. But it, it's magnificent. It's a great area. I know you love getting some warm weather considering what it's like back I certainly home. do. I feel bad for the folks back in Jersey. I think it's... Uh, nah, you don't cold, feel bad for them. Come cold, on. Cold and rainy today. Hey, John, um, in Houston, uh, you got to know Judge GM Mike McKagan quite a bit. Uh, what do you think about the job he's done so far here with the Jets? Is This is a team entering a uh, transition, as you know, uh, getting younger and trying to build through the drafts. Ten wins was first year, took some bumps and bruises last year, and now the Jets are going to try to build this roster up. Eric, I was really happy to see the Jets win those 10 games. I was happy for Mike Todd Bowles being a first, being a head coach for the Jets in his first season, and I was happy for Ryan Fitzpatrick because he had been in Houston and everybody really likes Fitzy, and of course he parlayed that in a pretty good contract last year. But just, everything seemed to be right for the world. But I think everybody also knew the Jets had a lot of issues, and they surfaced last year. And as the Jets know, like the Texans know, you've got to have a quarterback. And Texans don't have a quarterback. Jets are still looking for a quarterback. Both those teams may draft a quarterback in the first round. And uh, I know despite how many quarterbacks you have, Mike, I think, will always be on the lookout for one. Mike was a really good personnel guy in Houston, and he was always a behind-the-scenes guy. His goal was to be a general manager. He went about it the right way. He knows personnel. Now, I'm not familiar enough with the coaching staff to know the coaching staff, but I do know Mike McCagnan, and I can tell you this. He knows what he's doing when it comes to personnel. But as you know, Eric, there's a lot more that goes into it than simply personnel. Yeah, this is a guy who's been covering the National Football League in and out for more than three decades. So when he tells you he knows personnel, this guy knows what he's talking about. Speaking of personnel, the Jets added a veteran quarterback in Josh McCown. Uh, they got a pair of young quarterbacks on the roster, a guy from Baylor that you know very well, and Bryce Petty, and then Christian Hackenberg. What do you think about the addition of McCown? McCagnan said the other day that it's a perfect pairing with our young quarterbacks to get a veteran presence in there. 
even though McCown's older, he hadn't been used up. You know, yeah. hadn't played a whole lot in his career and as far as full seasons. He's like another coach. You know, you're paying him to help with Petty and Ackenberg. I thought for a while the Texans might draft Ackenberg because his best year at Penn State was his freshman year with Bill O'Brien. He was so good with O'Brien. People were talking about him being the first overall pick when he would come out after his junior year. Then he was not as good under James Franklin. And I think a lot of people were shocked when the Jets drafted him in the second round last season. But obviously they saw something that made them want to do it. Petty's been hurt, as you know. Yep. And I watched every game, just about every game Bryce played at Baylor. And I often wondered about the transition from Baylor's system under Art Browse to the NFL. But, you know, you got a little glimpse of what he could do last year. And I hope that if they draft a quarterback, Bryce is not the odd man out because you'd have one too many. And um, But I think for as a stopgap or bridge, as they call somebody like McCown, I think you're not going to get anybody better. I don't know how much interest they had in Jay Cutler. Don't know if Cutler's interested in having that that role of being a bridge quarterback to somebody else. Right now he better be because he doesn't have a job. But uh, McCown would be perfect for what they want him to do. How about Morris Claiborne? Uh, played with the Cowboys. Uh, 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 top of the draft uh, pick a few years back. Struggled with injuries, but the Jets are very confident in their medical team. This looks like one of those low-reward, high-risk signings. One of the things about Claiborne, Jerry traded, I believe, a two to trade up and get him. And he was never as good as he should have been or as they expected him to be. Now, last year, in contract year, you know, he played better than he had in a couple of years. Now, I don't know if it was health or I don't know if it's because it was a contract year. I'm always suspicious of players who play well in their contract year. And I'm also suspicious of players who don't play well in their contract <laughs> year. And you're like, hey, don't you understand this situation? But you see that, too. So the fact fact is, he showed that he can do it if he wants to do it. Hopefully, he'll stay well, and that'll be a good deal for the Jets. You were in Indy. Um, you talk about the Jets potentially adding even a, another quarterback to the mix, and Mike McKagan was forthright about that the other day. He said, yes, we got McCown in here, but all options are on the table. Obviously, we're not likely to add another veteran quarterback, but we could draft another one. What do you make of the quarterback class here as we have approach the draft. It's only a few weeks away now. First of all, uh, people always downgrade quarterback classes unless there's a can't-miss guy like Andrew Luck. And something I've never understood, and this is my 38th year of covering the NFL, why is it at this time of year they only look for arm strength and size, but accuracy and decision-making, those are what set the quarterbacks apart. And it's just amazing that at this point, guys in their shorts and T-shirts can go up and down, even though they haven't thrown a football in a game that mattered since a bowl game or an all-star game or regular season, yet you do see guys going up and down. And you wonder, why? Could they do a worse job scouting quarterbacks if there was no uh, pro day, there was no private workouts, there's no combine, you just watch film of what they did in college? Would it be any worse? I don't think so. They spend millions and millions, and then they make all these picks that are bad. Most quarterbacks that don't pan out, I believe, Eric, and this is what I've noticed through the years, 
If you see a quarterback, everybody's high on and he bombs out, it's not his fault. It's usually the fault of the team. Bad coaching, bad system. Uh, impatient owner gets rid of the coaches and the coordinators. And that can screw them up big time. Where if they have some consistency and stability and they have good coaches and the, and the system fits their strengths or the coaches are smart enough to maximize the strengths and minimize the weaknesses, the guy can be successful. So I always blame teams just as much. Houston Texans, I thought, screwed up David Carr after his third year when he had his best season. And so people look back on him as being a huge bust. Well, if he's a huge bust, it has to say slash Texans because they screwed it up just as much as he did in my mind. Okay, so you're a Texas guy, and the Jets' new quarterbacks coach is a guy by the name of Jeremy Bates. He attended Rice. Uh, he's had Good some- baseball player. <laughs> if the Jets ever have a company softball team, they should get Jeremy Bates on it, assuming he can still swing swing the stick. But he's had some success in the National Football League. You mentioned Cutler before, but he also worked with McCown. So that continuity, the consistency uh, should help the Jets. What do you expect uh, with uh, Bates, with a couple of these young quarterbacks, and maybe if the Jets potentially add a third young uh, quarterback and a new offense coordinator? and John Morton, who hasn't called plays since uh, USC, but uh, he's worked with uh, various uh, minds, uh, intelligent minds throughout the National Football League when you're thinking about uh, Harbaugh and John Gruden and Sean Payton. First of all, too many inexperienced quarterbacks is like a salad with too much lettuce. It's just too much green. Uh, You don't want too many young guys having to teach them. Now, Jeremy, I haven't seen Jeremy in so long. I don't know what at this point in his career what he's going to bring to the table. Uh, Morton either. You're running a big risk when you have two guys uh, coming in new and uh, giving them young guys to work with. May work out, may work out great. Right. But uh, I like a little experience in there and what they're doing. And, and McCown and I, I know I said this before, Eric, but I got to tell you, when you're talking about Bates and Morton, McCown might be, you know, they're not calling him a coach, but I'll guarantee you, Hackenberg and Petty will start talking at some point. At once they get to know him in off-season program, they're going to say hey, he's like a coach on the field. He's like a coach in the dressing room. The leadership, but also if they ask him for advice, and he's not going to teach them the opposite of the coaches, and he's not going to get in the way of the coaches, but he can do things that he's learned on the field that uh, play in that position that the others have not and uh, I'm really impressed with McCown not so much what he might do on the field but what he can do to help the younger players and as we said a bridge quarterback and you asked me about the quarterbacks in this draft I'm not when you bring in a new coordinator new quarterback coach you never know what their philosophy is for sure so I'd like to see would they want to a guy like Watson if he's there? Would they want a Trubisky if he's there because they're two different type guys? All right. We are live at NFL's owners meetings. Eric Allen here alongside John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. A lot of news happening this morning. CBS Sports's Jason LaConfora was with us before. Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News is going to pop on by. You're watching on Facebook as well. You can send in questions, get your comments. Uh, on the stream as well. Uh, Bridgestone, it's the official tire of the New York Jets. John, 
you know how the NFL Hall of Fame selection process works. So us in Jetsland want to know about uh, Joe Klecko. Um, how potentially um, could he get himself in uh, via the seniors process? Uh, Joe is uh, his modern era eligibility expired, right. and so now he's in what we what Paul Zimmerman always called the swamp because there's so many good players who get overlooked, like Joe Klecko who's a great player. But you, excuse me, my phone keeps going off here. I apologize. Joe Klecko I think can build some momentum, but the problem is there's so many guys who have been in a senior swamp, so to speak, longer than Klecko. And I always tell players, be patient. Don't give up. In in Joe's case, there are nine members of that senior committee. Uh, what it takes is somebody to take the bull by the horns on a, on a uh, candidate and run with it. I've been doing that in recent years with Robert Brazil, the great outside linebacker for the Houston Oilers during the Love You Blue period. And Robert has been the last Oilers. I'll be pushing for the Hall of Fame. And so he's been waiting a long time. On the seniors committee, so you got to be patient, and you got to get somebody behind you to start uh, spreading the word and reminding people who this guy was, what he accomplished. We all covered him, we all know about him, but he's been out for so long. Sometimes you just got to be refreshed. Yeah. So, so Klecko, like you said, refreshed. Seventy-seven and a half sacks over his ten-year career. That's second all-time on the Jets list. Uh, Anthony Anthony Munoz. Uh, Munoz said Klecko right up there with Bruce Smith as far as uh, pass rusher is concerned. And, of course, a co-founder of the New York uh, Sex Exchange. Well, for for I believe that Munoz is the best left tackle in football. And for him to compare Klecko to Bruce Smith as a pass rusher, that's a, that is a pretty impressive uh, um recommendation by Anthony Munoz. Those are the kind of things you need if you're going to be a viable candidate. Yeah, and four Pro Bowls for Klecko at three different positions because he played and defensive tackle and nose as well. So, uh, versatile player for that exchange. Well, I know since uh, you got all that information in there, you should send it to me and we'll see if we can get people talking about Joe Klecko. <laughs> We're going to try to do that. Um, tomorrow, Todd Bowles will address the media as will every AFC coach at the breakfast here in Phoenix at the NFL owners meetings. Uh, what's that like uh, for people at home who probably uh, don't know what's going on? From you, uh, from your perspective, uh, being in the media and being here so long, what's it like the AFC coaching breakfast? Most coaches feel like that breakfast where they have to sit for an hour and listen to the media at their table asking them questions. It's like sitting in a dental chair when you're about to get a, a root canal. If you look at some of them, they enjoy it. Most of them don't. Bill Belichick's not even going to show up. Bill's doing something. I don't know. Scouting. I'm guessing he doesn't want to talk about uh, Jersey Gate and uh, Malcolm Butler and and uh, 
all the things they got going with New England right now. But it's funny to watch these guys. They are a captive audience. And if you got something going on, like controversial, you just grit your teeth. They're like this. Like you asked Bill O'Brien about Brock Osweiler. He's going to say a hundred times, we've moved on, we've moved on, we've moved on. And uh, But I think it's a great thing because you can get stuff on them. Like one of the things I'm going to ask AFC South coaches for a story I have going this uh, weekend is uh, about the improvement of the division. And with all these moves, the other three teams have made – in free agency, and the Texans have lost three starters on defense and have not signed one player. And so that's there's a lot of stories to be had, Eric, and if it's a lot of things going on, they're all going to be asked about Vegas. Right. They're all going to be asked about road trips to Las Vegas. So we'll hear a lot about that. Uh, we'll hear in the NFC breakfast, Jason Garrett's going to hear a million questions about Tony Romo, and he's going to say, I don't know, talk to Jerry. I don't know, talk to Jerry. So it's, it's uh, and t- I don't know. Exactly. Todd Bowles will be asked about the draft. He'll be asked about free agency, Vegas. He'll be asked about anything in the division. And they'll be asked over and over and over. And I admire a lot of them being able to get through it. But when they tell those coaches, okay, coaches, time to go. You'll never see Todd Bowles move that fast since he was a player. And what about Wednesday? We were talking about it yesterday. When the owners leave on Wednesday, what's the scene like? When the Owners leave the meetings. You know, they've all got their limos to the airport and their private jet. And if you ever want to see a bunch of NFL owners together, stand up right as they're coming out because they're all in a hurry. These guys move faster to get out of here. It is every year. They want out. They want to get gone. And you'll see these old guys moving like they did 40, 50 years ago. That's John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, real, real quickly. I don't want to bury your lead in Houston. Everybody is watching the quarterback position uh, for the Texans. So uh, what do you make uh, where they are right now? And uh, what do you expect from Jerry Jones when he addresses the Tony Romo situation because he's still under contract with the Dallas Cowboys? Well, first of all, nobody from the Texans or Broncos or anybody can even mention Tony Romo because right. he's under contract. Nobody has a clue what Jerry Jones is thinking. And I think Jerry likes this because he's center of attention. And I believe if he's released, Houston and Denver will try to get him and I believe Houston will get him but he will have to do a contract that gives a lot of bonus money based on him being healthy every week they're not going to give him a lot of money in a signing bonus or a base salary they just got out from under one bad quarterback contract they're not about to get another one two years in a row yep and uh, you know I think Jets fans can actually look at a Houston team to say hey listen this is a team over years that build themselves up through the draft and now they look like they could be a contender potentially for the next few years. Now, you said contender, what, for the playoffs, for the AFC South? Uh, right right, yeah, I'm not right in the mix. I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl contender with Tony Romo. No. They got too many other holes, but you said it. Some but, other no, people no, say No, no, I'm saying defensively. Don't back down. No, you no, just no, said no, they're no, a no. contender. <laughs> I'm saying they should be a playoff contender for the next few years. Well, they, they should be. They, they've been they've won the division for the last six years, won four, three playoff games. They've won more playoff games than the Cowboys since the Texans have been in existence. That's John McClain. You can follow him at the Houston Chronicle. Of course, been covering the National Football League for 38 years. Think about that for a second. 38 years. Uh, Thank you so much.
It was great catching up with you. My pleasure, Eric. Thank you very much. That's John McLean from the Houston Chronicle. You're watching live on NewYorkJets.com and also Facebook. You can send in questions on uh, Facebook or just uh, send in your comments as well. Jason LaConfora was here with us, and so uh, was the aforementioned John McLean. Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News is going to step in for a moment. And then we'll probably end our morning stream today with Barry Wilner from the Associated Press. Barry used to cover the Jets beat. Now he's covering the National Football League. Uh, most of uh, everything major in the National Football League says Barry's at. So, of course, he's here in Phoenix, Arizona today. Todd Bowles, once again, will address the media tomorrow at the AFC Coaches Breakfast right here. That's going to air live on NewYorkJets.com and our Facebook page at 10.15 Eastern. So that's going to be early morning for all of us here, 7.15. And then we'll come back live with another stream on Jets.com at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific, if you are here on the, in the Pacific time zone. Here comes my good buddy right now, uh, Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News. Who? How many owners' meetings is this oh, for you man. now? Eric, uh, first of all, great to be with you. Uh, this would be my first one would have been back in 1982. So uh, I, I, I've lost count of the years, but I, I think that uh, puts the number in the in the mid 30s, something like that. How is it, how years is, of going to these? Things, how has yeah. it changed for you? Well, you know, it, it, the one thing that hasn't changed is they pick great locations, and I believe my first the first one that I covered was was here was at this Arizona Biltmore, uh, which really dramatically hasn't changed as a, as a facility, right. and they're always on these posh, beautiful grounds. Um, but what has changed absolutely are the sheer number of media who cover uh, these. And, and I think that's the big thing is, you know, outlets, team outlets. You didn't have that back in the day, uh, team media like this and yep. others. Uh, and you certainly didn't have the just the proliferation of, of uh, reporters and photographers, etc. Let me jump around a little bit sure. uh, right now. Um, Joe Klecko is eligible now to be uh, evaluated by the NFL Seniors Committee mm -hmm. for the Hall of Fame. Right. What did you think about Klecko as a player and potentially now getting into the Hall of Fame through the Seniors Committee? Well, I feel very good about Joe as a Hall of Famer. I mean, I feel he fits the criteria. If you've, you know, I always kind of just break it down very simply does he you know similar to you know does it walk like a duck you know sound like a duck and you know etc etc in the case of of uh, joe klecko um the 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 body of work yep. uh and and having witnessed a, a great really his entire career covered his entire career um while covering the nfl uh i've i've seen that dominant player and i also see a player who made others around him better that's one of the things you check off on the box. What kind of impact can you talk about the history of the game without mentioning his impact? And I think he was uh, the type of player that his his playing style and his success influenced other teams to look for their version of Joe Klecko, and they weren't easy to find. So uh, four-time pro rare, bowler, yeah, yeah, rare, rare. Time. Seventy-seven and a half career sacks, right? And then uh, one of the key figures up there for the sack exchange. The, the, the sack exchange isn't the sack 
Neck Exchange, I don't believe, without Joe Klecko. Yes, Mark Gastineau got the numbers and, and a lot of the attention, but Joe was such a, a force. So, and in talking with other you know players who've played against him or fellow defen- uh, defensive linemen on other teams, uh, the Fred Smurlises of the world, for instance, who played in Buffalo and I know quite well, they sing Joe's praises. So as a senior uh, consideration, I, I think in my mind he would have a good chance, but uh, I'm just one of the voters. The wins that change constant in the National Football League. So mm-hmm. in Buffalo, you have a new coach that you're covering and right. Sean McDermott. Um, what have you been, uh, what's your first impressions of the rookie coach? I'm extremely impressed with how he handles himself. Um, he is an absolute pro in everything he does. He is a, uh, you know, a very highly disciplined guy, uh, goes back to his background as a, as a standout wrestler, uh, you know, at, at the uh, high school level. And, uh, you know, of course, played ball at William & Mary, played uh, football there. But you could tell, and I met him at a very early time in his career with the Eagles, this guy um, just has that vision. He, he sees it. He pours the work, you know, the effort into it. Uh, and, and again, major change from what was there under Rex Ryan. Yeah. Rex was a fun guy to have around. I enjoy, you know, from a content standpoint, sure. you know this firsthand uh, probably better than I do. It was terrific. But uh, what you didn't have with Rex from a football standpoint was that that guy who demanded accountability and 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 was big on detail. Sean McDermott, those are two of his biggest strengths. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the Bills uh, renegotiating with uh, Tyrod Taylor and getting a new deal? Because a lot of Jets fans mm-hmm. were asking me questions that I couldn't really comment on because sure. he was always under contract with right. the Bills. Uh, they were gonna, uh, there were a few folks who were followed this team and said, hey, listen, he'd be interested in, yeah. if he'd hit the free agent market and that never happened. Yeah, no, he and, and you know, from from a uh, first of all from his standpoint the surprise to me was that he didn't draw the proverbial line in the sand with the bills and say look i'm not agreeing to any pay reduction you'll have to cut me before i do that and then of course if that were the case he would have had the opportunity to sign with anybody as a free agent agree to a reduction of about 10 million over two years um it's a contract the bills can get out of they'll they'll be in the same position with tyrod uh probably a year from now because after the 2017 season there's an easy out for buffalo but i think for for the bills who had no other alternative. It's a really good move. They didn't dislike Tyrod at all as a quarterback. They just disliked the contract that they agreed to back in August, this extension. You were in Cleveland, but uh, your time didn't overlap uh, with uh, Josh McCown. With that being said, you've been covering the NFL for a long time, and uh, Josh McCown has had a number of stops. What do you think about the Jets picking him up? Everybody's been raving about his veteran presence, how good of a guy he is, and you're pairing him up with a couple of young quarterbacks, and potentially the Jets I might add another quarterback in the draft. Yeah, Eric, I'll tell you what, put me on the list of people who will tout uh, Josh McCown as a veteran leader, the presence that he brings, the, the how good he will be to that locker room. And, and I think there's a lot of 
a, a, you know, a, a great deal of importance. That can't be um, overestimated and, and certainly uh, don't underestimate. I mean, it's, it's a big, big deal to have a guy uh, who knows his way around the league, who will be good in the room, so to speak, with other quarterbacks. And I've known Josh. I've gotten to know Josh, uh, gotten, gotten to know Josh through the years, and I have nothing but the greatest respect for him. Now, as far as a player, what he can contribute as a player, I think there are going to be limitations to that. Um, he's not, you know, he's not the definitive franchise going to going to really make a difference. I don't think over the long haul. But don't sell him short on his ability to do enough to help a team that hopefully, for the Jets' sake, has other strengths that can allow them to be successful. Where do you think, uh, from your position, where you're watching afar this uh, from afar this offseason, where do you think uh, the Jets are, and what do you uh, think about uh, some of these moves that a lot of people thought uh, were necessary? They part ways with a, a number of prominent veterans. Right. Um, getting younger has been the focus. Mike McKagan wants sustainable success. I know a lot of people uh, look back in hindsight, it's 2020. They say, why didn't you do this in year one? Well, the Jets won 10 games in year one. If they, they, don't, they didn't beat the Bills, if they had yeah, beat the Bills, they're in the they're, playoffs. They're in the playoffs. Right. And then you go into the following season, you can't you can't tear it apart at that point. No, so, no, no. So what do you think now where this team is at? Added, added? I, to me, the most critical area, I mean, obviously, you know, there, there's nothing more critical than quarterback. And at least for the time being, I think they can they can hold the, tide themselves over, yeah. if that's the right way to put it. Nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear that you've got the answer there. But that is the reality, I think, with a Josh McCown, who I think will be will be the opening day starter. I think he's he's going to be the guy, um, and that's important. But beyond that, where I think this team needs to show or, or needs to be successful is where a lot of these questions have loomed around the defensive front and the defensive line. That's That, to me, is where the core of their success has to emanate. And, and when I, again, when I think of Todd Bowles, I think of Todd's um, you know defensive-minded uh, approach to things. That's his signature. If this team's going to be good, and that's what happened his first year, if they're going to be good, uh, it's going to start there. Yeah, and uh, everybody, uh, last question here sure. before we bring and uh, Barry Wellner from the Associated Press here with Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News is that everybody who follows the Jets from a fan's perspective is like, we want an offensive player early. But you know this. We look at the draft early. It's highlighted by a number of defensive players, and the Jets are sitting there at six. And I know it won't be a sexy pick if they stay there because Mike McKagan has been forthright about it. He wants to move back and acquire many picks because the Jets have multiple needs. But with that being said, the best player might be a defensive player. I don't think there's any question about that. And based on, you know, we don't know how how it will prove out when, when they start playing in the league. But based on the analysis of what's available, in this draft, uh, I don't think there's any question that defense is leading the charge, and that your value is likely to be better in that upper tier area. That would apply to the Bills even at ten, uh, picking tenth overall. If that's where they stay, that your value is in the area of uh, of defense. Where does the first quarterback go in this draft? That'll be interesting. I mean, it, it's just in light of how this offseason has gone. 49ers still have to 
resolve their their situation. I think beyond uh, you know what they've done with Brian Hoyer, um, Cleveland is is uh, the wild card. But they got two. They got two in the first round. You know, and they've got two picks in the first round. So maybe maybe in that 12th spot to to Cleveland, and and, you know they they there was a report uh, recently that they had uh, had uh, Mitchell Trubisky from North Carolina in for a visit, local guy uh, in in Cleveland. So uh, maybe 12 would be my prediction for that. But so you think we could see a top 10 here without a quarterback? It's it's conceivable just just because I I don't see that there's a lot of you know uh, readiness among the uh, at that position or at least the perception of that by team. Vic, so great catching up. We thank you for your time. We know you're a busy man. Uh, Vic's not only uh, covering the Buffalo Bills, but he covers everything uh, across the National Football League for the Buffalo News. Um, I've been following him for a long time. Used to read him when I was a kid. It's a thrill to be here at the NFL owners meetings. Uh, Barry Wilner from the Associated Press steps in our guest chair right now. Uh, Barry, uh, great to see you uh, for a long time. The beat writer uh, for the New York Jets. How many years? 18 seasons. A- 18 seasons. Uh, 1985 now, till uh, 2003. Dennis Wozak, of course, is now in that chair, and he's been covering the Jets for quite a while. Um, what are some of your highlights of uh, covering the Jets during that time? I think my favorite time covering the Jets was the early years that Herm came in. Yeah? Uh, because, to me, Herm was, he had a little bit of an evangelist uh, in him. Um, he was very persuasive that he was going to get this team to be entertaining. His team was going to win. And, you know, three out of the five years, the Jets did very well with, with Herm. I wasn't there for the, that entire time. Um, I would moved on to covering the league full time. Uh, I think that was probably my favorite time covering the Jets was when Herm was there. I think people often forget that now when they look back at uh, Coach Edwards. Is that he came on board in 2001, led the team to the playoffs in each of his first two years, and like you said, three of the first four, and he was only there five seasons. And, uh, you know, I think had the Jets kept Herm, I think that they would have stayed on a, on a pretty good progression. Um, I, I know some of the problems that went on behind the scenes that you know forced him out and then he wound up obviously in Kansas City and now he does a great job on TV um, I always thought that um, anyone that you hire from the Tony Dungy tree is a good hire and um, I thought Herm was one of the best hires the Jets ever made yeah I go back to Tampa when I was a PR intern in 2000 <laughs> on that Tony Dungy staff and Herm was the secondary coach Lovey Smith was the linebackers coach Rod Marinelli uh, was the defensive line coach and then Mike Tomlin, of course, came on board a little bit later after Herm left to go to the Jets, and he worked for Coach Dungy. So that was a, that a hell of a tree there in Tampa. And you know, Coach Dungy in Indianapolis had you know similar tree. So um, I think that that was always wise uh, wise moves. So some of the other things that you know you bring up as I go back in my memory, going all the way back into the 1980s, some of the fun things with the Jets. Um, they had some really um, terrific players to deal with Guy, guys who um, they weren't just football players they had a really nice view of life you know I remember sitting with guys like Aaron Glenn 
and just chatting about non-football stuff. Right. And um, I used to cover hockey before I covered football. And with hockey players, you could always do that. And so that was kind of a nice comfort zone when you'd get players like that. Kyle Clifton was like that. You know, I'm going back now to uh, when you were probably in uh, junior high school. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, Vinny Testaverde and Chad Pennington, obviously quarterbacks have to talk. But those are just good guys to always deal with. Boomer, where, Boomer where, you know. You mentioned Pennington. 2000, because you were covering the team. 2002, where would you rank that as far as quarterback seasons uh, for a, a Jets passer? 2002. Wow, uh, that would be very close to the top. There's been very few years where guys Boy have wonder. been that effective. Um, the thing about Chad was he was always so mature. You know, I, I mean, when he came in and... Um, he wasn't a starter right away, but he was. You knew he'd be able to handle it. He's a coach's son, um, and and a great locker room guy as well. And that's what you need out of your quarterback. Uh, he's another one of my favorite players was Chad, and uh, I, I was always surprised that he didn't um, stick in the NFL doing more. You know, going into coaching full time or, or stuff like that. But I think we'll hear more from Chad. I talked to a couple of the guys today, John McLean and then uh, Vic Carucci, about uh, Joe Klecko potentially. Being in the Hall of Fame, so I'm going to ask you about Klecko, but I'm also going to—I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Kevin Mawai as well. They're in two different situations now because Klecko is going, trying to go to the Hall through the Seniors Committee, where um, Mawai is in the modern-day voting. Can you talk about each of those uh, players and potentially how, how you view them, maybe making the Hall of Fame? Uh, let's start with Mawai because this year I thought he came really close, and there were three of us in the room. Uh, Bob Glauber from Newsday, uh, Gary Myers, and myself, who really tried to carry the ball, if you will, uh, for Kevin. I, I think Kevin was not only a great player, he was a great leader. His contributions to the NFLPA were very important. Um, I don't think that the Players Association would be where it is now, uh, success-wise, without Kevin. And, I mean, he was the best center in the game for a big portion of his career. He played some guard. Um, like I said, terrific, Early, yeah. terrific locker room guy. Um, you know, you can understand why there were three coaches who really wanted to have him on their team, uh, three uh, franchises. Um, I think Kevin may have been of the four. There were four um, offensive linemen who were finalists this year. I think Kevin probably had the most support, uh, just maybe ahead of Tony Baselli. I have a lot of faith that he'll get in. Um, I would could, hope it would be next year. Yeah, could it happen as soon as next year? Yeah, I, I think maybe. I mean, next year's a tough class because Ray Lewis is in it, um, Randy Moss is in it. You know, you've got some guys who, who could be slam dunks. But I, I think, uh, having been on the committee for a while now, we need to address getting more offensive linemen in. Is it more difficult because uh, those guys don't have the stats? Yeah. We can talk about his durability and how many, how many games started and uh, what kind of numbers like a guy like Curtis Martin who is the NFL's fourth all-time leading rusher, put up behind a guy like Kevin Mawai. But then you put it side-by-side side next to a receiver, a running back, or a yeah. passer, and their lists are just longer. Yeah, what you need is um, really good, strong testimonials from players about Mawai, and there were quite a few of those in the room. Um, and I, it is very hard for offensive linemen. They're the only position that don't have any sort of stats to you know, go on. Right. Yeah, I, I, I really believe Kevin will get in. I think he deserves to get in. I think he was just as good a player as DeMonte Dawson. 
and DeMonte got in. Um, it was like Kevin came right after him because DeMonte at a time where he, he was the guy, and then at some point, I think, and I don't know how you view this, is that it became widely recognized or widely accepted throughout the National Football League that Kevin became the top center. Sure, he was regular on our all-pro team, and, and because the all-pro team is for the entire league, that says a lot. So I think he will get in. Joe Kleckel's a difficult one because uh, the seniors, there's such a backlog of seniors um, who are great players who uh, will get consideration um, over the next few years. And you can only get in either one or two, depending on what year we alternate between contributors and seniors. Um, I, when I joined the committee, I was actually surprised that Joe wasn't in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, this is a guy who made all pro three different positions. And a lot of people might say, well, defensive line, it's one position. No, it's not. He had three different specific jobs in different alignments for different coaches. Yeah. And he was a force. Uh, had he not gotten hurt, and, and, and he played hurt a lot, had he not gotten hurt, I mean, to me, there's no way he wouldn't already be in. But now that he's in the senior category, it could be quite a while before Joe comes up. 77 and a half career sacks. That's second on the Jets' all-time list. You mentioned it that... He was a pro bowler at three different position, positions, defensive end, defensive tackle, nose tackle, um, four-time pro bowler, I believe three-time all-pro, and a member of one of the fiercest units out there across the National Football League in the early 1980s. And the leader. Yeah. He was the leader of that group, and he was the leader of the entire defense. And uh, it would be nice to see Joe get in. Um, I certainly would support him, but I think it's going to be some time yet. What do you make about uh, some of the hot topics here this week? Well, today we'll get the Raiders' uh, decision. Um, I think it's pretty much once Bank of America came in, I think it was pretty much a slam dunk that the Raiders will wind up in Las Vegas. I don't have any problem with it. Um, there's some interesting other topics. Uh, reducing overtime from 15 minutes to 10 minutes in the uh, regular season, which came out of nowhere pretty much. To me, that's kind of an interesting topic that will get debated. Uh, pace of play, everybody's talking about. Well, I think pace of play is not that hard to uh, to ramp up. Yeah. And, and I think that, that it will be done in a pretty um, invisible sort of way. Um, I like the idea of uh, the referee no longer needing to go under a hood to um, examine replay. It's interesting that now, like the NHL does, the central office will make the final decision with input from the referee. Right. Uh, that's a little uh, bit of a uh, sideline that I didn't expect. Uh, I think it'll work, but um, I think we need to see how it works first before it becomes permanent. What do you expect uh, what you might hear from uh, Todd Bowles tomorrow when he addresses the media here in Phoenix? Well, he's going to be asked about uh, McCown. Right. Um, I think one question he may be asked, and I may be one who asks it, is why is McCown any different than Ryan Fitzpatrick? And, you know, to explain to us why and to the fans why this is a good move for the Jets when uh, it's, it could seem that it's just replacing Fitz with another veteran. Um, I think he's going to be asked about the draft, obviously. I mean, the Jets are in number six position. Sure. That's a good spot in this draft. This is a terrific draft. They got Leonard Williams in a similar spot a few That's years right. ago. You get a player like that out of this draft, you got to be very happy, and I think they could. Um, what do you make of the quarterback class? So, uh, I don't make much of the quarterback no? class. Um, I, I, w I know Vic was talking about maybe the top ten no quarterbacks. Yeah. 
Um, I think that that's probably true. Uh, there are teams that are desperate for quarterbacks. I don't think any of these guys um, are worth being desperate about. Uh, I think a lot of these guys are second round or even third round guys, but some of them may go in the first round. Now, the thing that I'd say about McCown is that he does have uh, some familiarity with the new quarterback coach and then Jeremy Bates. It's his second stint here with the Jets, Jeremy Bates, but they, those guys work together in Cleveland, uh, in Chicago, excuse me. I, I got the, obviously, McCown's played for 10 teams now, so I slipped up on that a little bit. But uh, everybody raves about his uh, veteran presence and how possibly uh, he can benefit. The, some of the young quarterbacks in that room. Well, that'll be important to working with the young quarterbacks, and, and he's done that in his career um, in a lot of different places, and he's a good locker room guy, there's no question. Um, so in that way, I understand the addition. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, how that develops through the training camp and through preseason because I expect McCown will start. But I think at some point the Jets have to let these two young guys get a big shot at it. And what do you think of the postseason uh, to date here? Uh, obviously, a release a number of prominent veterans. Uh, Brandon Marshall is now in New York Giants. Uh, Darrell Revis is out there as a free agent. The Jets let him go. Uh, and you can even look at a guy like Nick Folk, um, uh, Breno Giacomini. Uh, so a number of veterans uh, out the door. And uh, they've taking on some, I would say, low-risk, high-reward free agents when you think about like a guy like Morris Claiborne, uh, former high pick of the Cowboys, and then Calvin Beecham, uh, former tackle with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think it's rebuilding time, and, and that's what you do when you're rebuilding. You free up a lot of money in, in um that they've been able to do uh, with Revis and some of the others, uh, Brandon Marshall leaving. Uh, Jets fans need to be patient. I know they don't like to hear that. Uh, they've heard it a lot. Um, but they need to be patient this year and see how some of these, especially the young guys, develop. Um, and they're in a tough division, too. So just, you know, be patient. And you got to see what happens in the draft because I know everybody's saying, oh, well, look at what they are right now. Well, McKagan is sitting there telling people that he wants to build through the draft. So let's see what comes in via the draft. They got four picks in the first three rounds, and Barry's telling you that this is a very good draft. So you're going to find starters. You're going to find multiple starters immediately in this draft class. Yeah, you'll find starters in the third round. You may start starters in the, starters in the fourth round. It's, yeah. it's that good a draft. It's one of the better drafts in the last half dozen years. All right, that's uh, Barry Wilner from the Associated Press. It was great catching up with him. Uh, Thank you for tuning in, not only on NewYorkJets.com, but on Facebook. Tomorrow morning, AFC Coaching Breakfast from here in Phoenix, Arizona. Going to be streamed live both on NewYorkJets.com and on Facebook, airing at 10.15 Eastern. Todd Bowles will be addressing the media here at 7.15 locally, and then we'll come back with a live stream again uh, tomorrow afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern. Bridgestone, remember, the official tire of the New York Jets. That's it for us today. Thanks to Jason Lockenfora of CBS Sports, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News, and last but not least, Barry Wilner of the Associated Press. Thank you.